0: Bredo, can you believe it? The Wellness Summit is almost here. Oh, I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, Bredo, it's been two long years since our last Wellness Summit, and if you're listening to this, folks, and don't have a ticket, then... What are you doing? The Wellness Couch family of podcasters gather for two days in Melbourne on Saturday, August 25 and 26,
1: featuring... The Queen of Nutrition, Cindy O'Meara. The Rockstar of Wellness, Dr. Damien Christoph. Connect with your spirit and soul with Barley Bomb survivor, Karen Smith.
0: Self-care is on the menu with Kim Morrison. Master the art of ageing well with the one
1: and only Marcus Pierce. Oh, shucks, Bretto. What about how to recover from rock bottom with Dr. Brett Hill? Master your stress with Dr. Maria Jushman.
0: Get empowered
1: with Imogen Bailey. Female health experts, Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Ashley Bond. Master your sleep with Audra Starkey. The natural nutritionist, Steph Lowe. Australian Idol winner, Wes Carr. Woohoo! And Quirky Cookings, Joe Witten, and Fuad Kassab, and a whole lot more. Oh, what a lineup, MP. Seriously, why would you not be coming to the Wellness Summit?
0: Not to mention our world class exhibition of Australia's most incredible, sustainable wellness products and services.
1: MP, we've done the final layout. There are less than 100 spaces left.
0: And there's only a few discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com.
1: Marcus, be there or be square. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit, Saturday, August 25 and 26 at the Collingwood Town Hall.
0: Get in quick, folks. The final release of discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. See you there, Bredo.
1: wellnesscoach.com streaming wellness into your lives.
2: You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome everybody to A Quirky Journey and Fuad is on a journey right now in his car to the airport. Hi Fuad.
3: Hey Joe, how's it going? <laughs>
2: Good. Are you excited?
3: I am and I'm indicating to go to another lane. I hope the indicator doesn't come across. I can hear it. You
2: can? <laughs> I don't know. I thought I heard something, but it doesn't matter. I yeah. can hear you, so you're nice and clear
4: so ah, if it sounds fantastic. like
2: if it sounds like Fullard's talking from a echoing box or something, it's just his car, okay, guys.
3: yeah <laughs> well, it's been such a busy week, and we' it's really only have gonna get busier <laughs> to record anything it's gonna get super busy. We've got ten days of just travelling around Melbourne and Tasmania, so it's going to be super busy, and the only time that we're going to get to record Centro is now. Yep. And, Joe, uh, so I'm going to be seeing you in a couple of days. You're flying down to Melbourne on Friday. Yes. It's going to be Friday morning. Friday morning.
2: Get there? Getting there um, at about 9.40. Oh, yep. beautiful. Had to leave at 6.15 a.m., and the drive down to Cairns is an hour and a half, and got to yes. be there an hour and a half early, so staying the night in Cairns. Yeah. <laughs>
3: By the time this podcast comes out, I would have done my dinner at Bar Saracen, my friend Joseph Apu's restaurant. Uh, so that is going to be phenomenal. We finalized oh. the menu two days ago, and it's an incredibly, ah, uh, so delicious. I just, I want to go and eat. I
2: <laughs> You'll be so it's sick not. of the sight of the food that you won't want to eat. Does that, does that happen to you when you cook, or do you still want to eat?
3: Not, not if you just cooked for one night, but like if you've been doing it for, you know, yeah. a job. Eventually like uh, You don't want yeah. to eat it anymore. No. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's
2: right. Do you wanna tell but us yeah, tell us what you're eating so that we suffer because we don't get to eat it or what?
3: Uh, <laughs> well look Joe. Uh, i I've made a new type of bread
4: Oh. cooking
3: in that day. And uh I'm gonna serve that with some housemaid love now with uh Syrian Zata, which is like a normal Zata thyme and sumac and toasted sesame seeds, but mixed in with some toasted nuts, yeah. cumin, and coriander. And um, I think they're going to serve a broad bean dip that they're making from fresh broad beans. Mm. Then we're having, um, I can't remember the second course for them. Let me try to remember. I think it's uh, yeah, it's a kashke badanjan. It's a uh, roasted eggplant dish with a yogurt tea dressing that Lovely. is from Iran, like a saffron-flavored eggplant. Yeah. And um, I'm making... Uh, and we're also making a uh, red mullet kibinayi, which is a raw mullet dish
2: uh, made style. I've had that before. Uh, that is so good.
3: Yeah, it's, it is. It's great. And then there's a... Uh, A fish sukboj that they're making as well. I can't remember what fish they're using, but they're going to cure the fish with honey and vinegar. And um, I'm making a pistachio kebab from Turkey, Mm. serving that with uh, burnt pumpkin, a bit of sour cream, chickpeas, and a burnt butter dressing. And uh, then the main dish, suyadi, which is, this dish that takes around six hours to make. Yes. Uh, yeah, just a beautiful Lebanese celebration dish that I cooked for Food Safari. And that's going to, that episode's coming out in October. I'll be the last mm-hmm. person on the last episode, which is usually where they put me in things these things, yeah.
2: Joe. Yeah. The,
3: the last person on the last thing.
2: It must be that's a wellness. It. It's a sign, it's a good sign, though, for her, because you always want to finish on a good note.
3: Yeah. they... There you go! <laughs> oh, no,
2: no, no. We'll have to finish uh, now because Fouad's starting to sing.
3: Yes, that wasn't a good note. Let's finish <laughs> on a
2: good note. Okay. Uh, yeah.
3: And then for dessert, I've come up with this. Um, one of my earliest food memories is this malbiyi that my mom used to make. So malbiyi is like a blanc so Like Each culture has a version of a milk pudding mm. that they eat. And in Lebanon, it's... Sickened with uh, rice starch. Okay. And uh, my mom used to make it all the time. But at one point, she made an orange jelly, and she put that on top of the halbi, which is rose water flavored, and then there's this orange jelly. Yeah. And I can't remember. I mean, I was eight years old or something like that, and I ate it. And it just blew my mind. I was going, what the heck is that? Like I had never <laughs> tasted such contrast food. It was one of my earliest food memories.
2: That's why so, you became a chef. Yeah, well, oh, Might I mean,
3: be. <laughs> I, think, I don't know if it's why I became a it really highlighted my ability to, you know, be in touch with my senses when it comes to tasting. Like, I find that a lot of people don't know how to taste something. They yeah. don't know how to eat. They don't, they don't know how to chew or to use their tongue or to focus on flavor or uh-huh. to try to understand what's going on essentially, within yep. themselves. Um, but for me, it was like a thing that I had from really early on. I was so gravitating towards flavor. And that was one of my founding, foundational memories, mm. actually, when it comes to I really, really it blew my mind. It still stuck with me to this day. I <laughs> only made it once. Ah. And, um, so for this uh, little dinner that we're doing, I'm going to make a version of that a milk pudding, rose water flavor just making it like really really creamy but also like a like a panna cotta so not as uh, thick and uh you know the ones that we make in on halbi is usually a little bit too uh like it's too uh, stiff that's the word okay so th- this one has a bit more creaminess to it Beautiful. and then i've got a layer of Orange jelly. This one's not out of a packet. It's actually made with cara-cara <laughs> oranges
4: mm. and uh,
3: orange blossom water and maple syrup. And uh, then on top of that, some blood oranges and seasonal fruit and Yum. some toasted, uh, toasted uh, nuts. Well, and it's just... A Sounds amazing. Oh, yeah, it's, a, it's a happy dessert. You
2: know? Yeah. I want to see photos, okay?
3: Yeah, we'll take photos for sure. So, that, and then they're doing like a uh, a date filled with ashta, Lebanese clotted cream, just for a, a little simple thing, you know, because usually desserts aren't a big part of a Middle Eastern meal. Desserts are eaten a couple, a couple of hours later. After you've had a Lebanese meal or a Middle Eastern meal, you really want a break before you eat dessert. So, seeing that we don't have time to take a two-hour break, and usually they move you to a new table a few hours later, where ah. the, yeah, like all the fruit and the, the sweets are on the other table, and you start fresh. You don't, you know, carry that next.
2: Uh, it's like the next meal. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good.
3: Yeah, I know, right? But we we can't do that here because it's like a Thursday night, and it's not the Middle East. So I don't think people <laughs> are used to it.
2: Like and we said in food. the last podcast, um, the time is not an issue in the Middle East. Ah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dinner doesn't have an end time until it finishes, you know. That's like, right. You're done when you're done. You know, it sounds like, good to uh, me. Yeah, it's seven to ten or something like that. It doesn't work that way. Thinking and, of uh... Go ahead. No, no I'll go so I'm all I'm saying is that uh, it's it's a cool experience. It's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. Sorry for those of you who missed out.
4: Never
3: well. uh, gonna happen again. You'll never try to try the food. But uh, <laughs> actually I've got another dinner katoomba on the 6th of september but i just did want to say something that i'm super excited about working with these guys at Bar saracen joseph is an incredible chef and he's taught his chef tom seraphian so well like tom is such a an incredibly talented chef so they're both better than i am as chefs (laughs) and i'm just excited to be working with such a Mm. high caliber Team and to awesome. be bringing these flavors to Melbourne, and Danny Valente is going to be emceeing the event. Yes,
2: yeah, all that—that's cool. Yeah. D- don't. I ago. hope you two aren't going to break out into an argument over hummus and who invented it.
3: Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> about who invented hummus. It's very well established.
2: Oh no, hope she's not <laughs> listening. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, it's funny because like hummus, is like undoubtedly Middle Eastern. It can't really be claimed by a specific culture, I don't no. think so. If anyone says, I invented hummus, then no, that they didn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, chickpeas and tahini have been in use for so long. Yeah. And the culture. And it's definitely a dish that would have evolved over time. But we're not making hummus.
2: No, on for season. once. Fouad yeah. is not making hummus. Don't blame yeah. to everybody.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so just to remove the argument, Yes,
2: good idea. Yeah. No, I'm looking. So,
3: Joe, we've got the Wellness Summit after that, Saturday, Sunday. Yep, we do. And uh, how are you feeling? Ready? Feeling well um, pumped?
2: Yeah, I'm getting there. I feel like I need to totally unpack my suitcase and repack because people are freaking me out about the cold weather.
3: <laughs> how, cold, how cold is
2: it? Um, It was really cold last week and it's been snowing like, in the higher areas in Victoria and in Tassie, um, but so far it looks like this next week is going to be pretty nice. So, like sixteen degrees and seventeen degrees and stuff in the day. So, if that's the case, I'll be fine. We actually have had three degrees here this morning and four degrees yesterday morning. So, I'm I'm getting ready for my southern trip.
3: Yeah, far north yeah. <laughs> Queensland. Is yeah, trying to acclimatize you.
2: Yeah, it is. It's it's crazy. I do by the way, people I do live up in the mountains, so it is colder here than on the coast. So it's not that cold on the coast, but Yeah, so I'm sitting in the sun right now trying to get some warmth and drinking a homemade chai that my sister made for me with Aww. lots of spices. So that's nice. George, Having that's
3: some exciting news about Adelaide and Perth. Yes. We're going to be visiting in September can
2: you share the dates? Yeah, we have at, we have seminar in Adelaide on the 11th of September and then Perth is the 13th and 14th, both morning and evening seminars. So um, yeah. if you go to our <coughs> quirky cooking events page, you'll find that um, it, or even That's on
3: quirkycooking.com.au/events.
2: Yep. Or you can yeah. go to Facebook and look at the events on our Facebook page. Um, So, they're all up and it's all very exciting because we actually have a new seminar rolling out in Adelaide and Perth.
4: woo Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a brand new presentation altogether. We're starting a series of seminars called Nourishing. So, wherever we're going, we're going to call it Nourishing Perth, Nourishing Adelaide. And um, they're going to focus on a little bit more than food. As you've heard us talk on the podcast before, we are trying to help people on the health journey to be ready for making the bigger changes that they need to do with their diet by addressing lifestyle changes and things that they can do at home, immediate things that they can do so that they can uh, basically remove stress and uh, any kind of difficulty that's being caused from their lifestyle, which would stop them from being able to stick to a healthy diet. So we'll be talking a lot about that, but also then, Digging into the fundamentals of a healthy diet, these things don't change. So we're going to be uh, reiterating those points. We're going to talk about our journeys because, you know, who else's journey are we going to talk about if we don't talk about mm-hmm. ours? Uh, and we feel like there's so much value in the things that we've gone through. And so we'll f- focus on that again and on the new learnings that we've made since we've last visited first as well to be able to bring you guys a brand new seminar and six new recipes as well. What yeah. are we cooking, Joe? Do,
2: um, do you remember? I, I do. I do. Let me just check. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
2: okay, so we're doing the Red Rocket smoothie, which yeah. is um, such a gorgeous, bright, vibrant color. It's the one in um, life-changing food. It has a little bit of beetroot in it and raspberries and orange, and it's really delicious. Um, we've got the buckwheat crackers, which we have served as tastings at the past seminars, but we haven't actually made them at the seminar. So we're going to be making those at the seminar. We're going to be doing the Moroccan cauliflower couscous salad, the one that has all the veggies and chicken, and um, it's a grain-free salad, so the couscous is not normal couscous. I love that
3: salad. It's yeah. my, my favourite. We had that three days ago, and he made it. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, and we, we had made the soup with the chicken. Yeah, and then she's like, "I want to eat that chicken in uh, Joe's salad." So she made the salad. How oh, good and we put we pulled the chicken from like the you know that, the soft cooked at that yep. point. You know. and we just pulled it and folded it, and it was mm. so good. that like Really
2: tender chicken. Oh, oh beautiful! God. That's a good idea, guys. If you're making yeah. your chicken, your meat stock, and you've got some poached chicken, put it into that salad. We'll have to remember to oh. tell them that in the seminar. <laughs> it's, so it's got so many. The spices are. Re- it's a really lovely spice mix. Um, yeah, the and the chicken spices. was
3: poached like we poached it with star anise. As oh, well. beautiful! So the flavor of the chicken was great, and it really worked well with all these different spices. It added that aniseed flavor into the Nice. Oh, that sounds
2: good. Nice. So good. So that one is um, being demonstrated. Then we're going to demonstrate the fermented cashew cheese, and um, you'll get a tasting of the cashew cheese on the buckwheat crackers as well as the smoothie and Fouad will be making his famous sweet potato mousse which don't freak out guys because it's actually amazing it's not like a heavy sweet potato pudding, it's like a really light citrusy tasting pudding, it's so beautiful yeah, Yeah,
3: it's really fresh and beautiful And because we use sweet potatoes, you don't have to add a lot of sweetener to it, it's It's already sweetened yeah, you know, eighty percent, ninety percent sweet, but just from the sweet potato. So. I always
2: remember when you had um, one of your daughter's birthday parties and you served that up, and all the kids just ate it. It's so yeah. lovely. If you would have said yeah. to most kids, "This is a sweet potato mousse," they'd be like, "Ew!" But if you don't tell yeah. them what it is, they just gobble it yeah. up. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I and then
3: like also, you can probably colour it with a bit of beetroot or something. You could, then- but
2: the color's so pretty already.
3: Yeah, I know. My kids love purple. They do. Yeah. They do.
2: Um, and then we're going to make a fun one, which is the peanut butter chocolate fudge, which is on the blog. Um, we just yeah. put that recipe up on Saturday, last Saturday, and it's already gone crazy. It's like in two days, it had nearly 10,000 views. <laughs> wow. <Amazing.
4: laughs>
2: so um, yeah. if you haven't tried it yet, it's it's very easy and delicious, but we thought we'd make that one um, just to show how quick and easy it can be to make a homemade chocolate and a fudge. It's it's yeah. sort of like a mixture between chocolate and fudge, so it's very yeah. delicious. Um, and we're going, yeah, we've got tastings of the smoothie, the crackers, the cashew cheese, and the sweet potato mousse. Um, yeah,
3: oh, yum 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 yum. Love it. I'm about to enter the M5 tunnel. Oh. If, I can, if the reception goes away,
2: we will pause. <laughs> Yes. OK, so uh, Joe, yes,
3: we're, we've got a really good podcast ahead of us now. Mm-hmm. Who have we interviewed today?
2: Okay, so we've got our good friend Alex Stewart from Lotox Life, and we did mention her in two podcasts ago. we were talking about some changes that are important to make before you even start changing your diet when you're trying to get healthier and to work on lifestyle changes. And, um, one of the things that we mentioned was detoxing the home. And, um, since Alex is the, the low tox home queen, (laughs) we thought it's about time we got her back onto the podcast to talk to her about, um, her tips for reducing the toxic load in your home and just some really practical things that you can do. So Alex has recently released her first book, which is called low tox life and, um, it's a really great book, isn't it, Ford?
3: Yeah, I uh, haven't looked at it yet. In the
2: oh, that's right, you didn't get it. I, I
3: saw her at the Mind Forum. That's when right. she Had uh, yeah, like it's, it's honestly, I'm gonna buy one as well. Yeah. Uh, but I had a, a I had a look for a four minutes or so. I looked through it when uh, she was at the Mind Forum, and I looked at all the different pages and chapters and the things there. But I don't know it uh, in depth still. But, yeah, it looks fantastic. It's just just so –
2: for one thing, it's a beautiful book and really well laid out. But it just has so many practical tips for detoxing your home, reducing the toxic load, getting rid of plastics in the home, all of that kind of thing. A lot of really easy recipes for things you can just make yourself. Um, There's also recipes that are food recipes. Yay. And, Yeah. um, yeah, there's some beautiful recipes in there. Um, and to, Alex has just done a really great job with this book, so we we'll, 're going to be selling it in our shop aren 't we?
3: Yes
2: yes online. we it,
3: you know it 's that kind of thing that really complements the work that we do and yeah. Alex is the expert on you know all things low tox so it 's wonderful to have such a resource because there 's a lot of books that come out about health and lifestyle and well being. it's kind of hard sometimes to know whether the person who's written it really is coming from the right perspective or or not. Mm. And knowing Alex as we do, it's just such a no-brainer to have a book like that complement our collection in the the online shop. So if you're interested in getting uh, the book, make sure you go to quirkycooking.com.au and buy it from there and uh, support us and support Alex. It's uh, a great cause and a great book.
2: Yeah um so alex isn't actually selling it on her website she's just selling it through bookshops and people like us because she wants to you know support everybody who's trying to help her sell it so that's really lovely so we um we also talked to alex not just about the general um detox the home and book we also got into a big discussion about mold illness because alex has been through that and how she's had to work through it and what she did. So that's going to be really helpful for those of you who want to know more about um, reducing the mould in your home and what to do if you're struggling with mould illness.
3: Yeah, that was a large part of the discussion around that. It was, yeah. really eye-opener. I've been in a lot of homes where, you know, mould is there. Like this is a very commonplace thing, Mm. isn't it? It is. Um, I can't remember the percentage.
2: um, She did say but there's... There's a very large percentage of homes in Australia that are infected with mold, if that's what you would call it, and you yeah. don't always see it, so it's something that, um, you know, if you're struggling with the symptoms that she talks about, it might be a good thing to get checked.
3: I'm so happy I did the building biology Yeah. Style. That was really great. And, yeah, I would um, do also, yeah, Go back to our episode with Nicole, if you guys are interested in building biology and how to find out whether you have a mold issue or not in the house? All these things are covered already in there.
2: Yes, they are. Well, it's going to be um, it's going to be a big week ahead. So you're probably nearly to the airport. Yes, probably. I am. Ten
3: minutes away. Ooh. I took I took a wrong turn because I
2: was oh. focusing on it. Oops! Um, <laughs> you're I'm not right. going to be late it's for just, your plane, are you?
3: No, it's all right. <laughs> I've given it enough buffer. Oh, I've learned my lesson, Joe. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, same. I don't. Yeah. I don't ever leave airport trips to the last minute. No. It's nice having fun, that so. time to actually sit and relax and have a couple before you get on the plane. Anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So that's what I'm hoping for. Just a nice uh, sit down, work on my slides for the wellness summit. Yep. And um, from there, have a nice, happy flight. Listen to some flute music on the way. Something Ye-hoo. like
2: that. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm
3: yeah, excited about the trip ahead. You know, my blue teacher lives in Melbourne, but he's going to be in Byron Bay.
2: Oh, what a pity. There. Shame, Aww. huh? Yeah, that is a shame. I
3: would have liked to meet him face to face, yeah. but uh, it's not going to happen.
2: Ah, yeah. well, maybe next time we'll be back. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So many exciting things happening. So if you guys wanted to know more about any of those, we'll just put all the details in the show notes um, and you can click through and... Have a look at what's going on and what's coming up for Quirky Cooking and um, the dinners Fuad's doing and all sorts of things.
3: Yes, um, Jojo. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I want to say? Yeah, first of all, rest up. Yes, I really need you to be just feeling great when you come to the Wellness Summit. <laughs> Don't spend too much time behind the
4: screen. No, I won't.
3: Drink plenty of broth and have just like the healthiest time that you can have before you come, because it's going to take up a lot of our energy. It's going to be wonderful, but it's going to require a lot. So make sure that you're feeling super
2: good. I'm having having two days that I'm not going to be doing too much. I'm going to rest a lot and be in the sunshine, and I'll probably go and sit down at the waterfall for a while today, because that always is very relaxing. And um, I'm going to be having my Russian custard with lots of egg yolks.
3: Yeah, but I've... don't be rushing while
2: you're it. <laughs> take your time. Okay, I'll take my time. I won't rush the Russian custard. And yeah. then I also am, um, I've got lamb broth on the stove. My sister's helping me out in the kitchen today, and she's in there putting heaps of ginger and garlic and turmeric and everything in there. We've got, um I have to tell you, Emma's traveling with us, my friend Emma, and she's got her oils diffuser and her... um all the different oils to keep us all, you know, from getting, I don't know, everything. <laughs> She's got it sorted.
3: <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it.
2: That She's going to give us massages.
3: Bring her along. Such a
2: good idea. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so we have our massage good. therapist. and we should and do that every time. Yeah, yes. right. yeah. I think she'd be up for it. <laughs> then again. Yeah, she, sure. <laughs> so, yeah.
3: Let's, let's, let's see how she goes on this first job. We might be okay. too much of we might be wanting too many massages she <laughs>
2: she'll go, oh, be like oh you guys are too bit, exhausting
3: just too much, just
2: too much. <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be fun all so, right guys yeah. well
3: we'll leave you to this podcast we hope you enjoy and we will chat to you next week after the big wellness summit and the Taddy event so Woo-hoo. we hope you enjoy
2: all right safe travels foo-foo
3: thanks joe see you Bye. on friday
2: okay see ya Welcome. We're so happy to have you all here today. I'm Jo and I've got my co-host Fuad here. Hey
3: Jo. Hello, hello.
2: And we have our lovely friend Alex with us today. We're so happy to have you Alex. Hi. I'm so happy to be back. It's been ages. I know. I was looking for a link to the podcast I did with you ages ago um, the other day to share it. And I was like, oh, was it wasn't that long ago. I said, we need to do another podcast without Alex. I
3: you
2: know, know just, right? And especially since your new book came out. Oh, my yes. goodness. It's so beautiful. Thank you.
3: Congratulations.
2: Oh, yes. thanks so much,
5: guys. It's it's an amazing, you guys know well because you have it's
2: very um, exciting feeling, more
5: experience <laughs> in this world than I do. But as a yes. first-time book baby maker, it is um it's just an amazing thing to be able to share something so tangible. You know, we yeah. all have these conversations. We create digital products. But to be able to have and hold something to gift people or yeah. to offer people is just amazing. It's, it's just a totally different um, feeling. It's amazing. I,
2: I love the feel of it. I love the, um, the homey sort of feel. And I don't know, it's just really lovely photo. Yeah,
5: beautiful design. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah, my designers are awesome.
2: Who did your food photos? Uh, the food photos was actually it's a really
5: cool story. It's um a yeah. guy called very talented photographer called Rob Palmer, and mm-hmm. as you guys know, I used to be in the hospitality industry, and I left um, um bartending about gosh that's two thousand eighteen. It was um. Very early two thousand seven, so let's call it uh, eleven and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and um, which is crazy. But um, back then, and before, like in in my years of um, running one of the like sw- shrankiest little cocktail bars in Sydney, I mm-hmm. used to do a lot of the magazine feature spreads for you oh. know the summer cocktails, the it summer cocktails, and all that kind of stuff for gourmet traveller or for bartender magazine and things like that. And Rob and I would work together to produce those back then. Oh, really? So when I saw that he was doing the pictures for my book, I was like, oh, my gosh, I get oh, to work exciting. with Rob again. And he's so talented. He does Sarah Wilson's books and oh, um, he's okay. amazing. So I just felt I'm very, just like, very lucky.
2: I'm drooling over the gooey po- chocolate pudding one. Ah. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, and, that. you know, that dish
5: is actually my grandmother's oh, 1972 really? limited edition Le
3: Cousy. Roasting pan with the
2: blackened bits and all. Yeah, gorgeous. I love it.
3: Yeah. So, hold on. You don't have a disposable casserole that you don't buy a new one?
5: (laughs) Single-use casseroles, don't you guys know they're all the range? Yeah. You don't have to scrub them; <laughs> just throw them away.
2: But look, all that, all those built-on bits on the on the dishes sort of add character, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, it's just beautiful. No, I, I think you should be very proud. It's a gorgeous book and so practical.
5: Yeah, I really wanted it to. I wanted it to be the book that I would love to have found mm. on the shelf twelve years ago. Well, basically i have to, I have to ex- tell you
2: i had a very excited text message from our friend talisha you know talisha from little- oh yeah from little Matthew. oh my goodness have you seen alex's book it is gorgeous and it's just so good and she was raving about it oh so, thanks talisha if you're listening Thank yeah. you. <laughs> i love that it's not i love that it's very doable yeah, that's, um, it's, it's
5: extremely important, right? You know, yeah, I think yeah. we've all been um, on the receipt, like on the learning end of something that didn't feel doable, something mm-hmm. that didn't feel encouraging, and yeah. something that didn't feel like. Um, Uh, we could do it. So like, you know, I I don't know about you guys, but like protocols that you've tried, you know, we've all had our various health challenges and sometimes you join things and you think, oh, I've failed before I've begun and I want to quit this three days in. And, you know, and I just never, you know, I feel like as a custodian of of good information, it's such, I feel such a heavy responsibility in a good way, Hmm. um, but I take it very seriously. That's probably a better way to say it. Um, to ensure that people's journey of change making is a positive and mentally nurturing one rather than leaving people either feeling OCD that they have to be control freaks about everything they do or yes. Um, yes. or um, shame or failure for not doing it well enough or as good as that person or moving quickly enough and just all that stuff is just not serving us in mm-hmm. the current paradigm of change making and I really wanted to do my best to change that story for people.
3: Alex, I'm going to take a step back because we've talked, went into this interview as if everyone knows who you are, like ah, yes. book title. <laughs> Sorry, I got excited. <laughs> I was like, excited. Go, go buy this book now! Like, what, I was like, what's, what's it what called?
2: <laughs> you know me, I do think of my own strange No, but life. this is exactly why I laughed with
5: you, Joe, the other day on text when we were hooking up when we were going to have the chat. it's like, well, at
2: least this is one way for us
5: to catch up.
2: Oh, no, no, that's what I'm doing. So no, will no, leave, leave you guys leave to it. i come back in an hour. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Okay. Now, is going to take over and organise us. Go ahead, Fawad, please.
3: No, really. Uh, <laughs> we just, let, let's start from uh, the book, its title, uh, yes. what it's about.
2: Yeah,
5: cool. Okay, so um, the book title is Low Tox Life and I have highly originally called everything I do Low Tox Life for a really long time. (laughs) just makes it easy for everybody to find everything. Um, And, you know, funnily enough, when Jane, my publisher, wrote me the email to see whether I'd be interested in writing a book last year, um, a lot of people have known me or come to Low Tox Life either through the Go Low Tox e-course or through delicious sort of gluten-free cooking, because that's kind of mm-hmm. I always I mean, share as many recipes gooey- as I can create, right? If you so
2: gooey chocolate pudding—you're going to find
5: Alex. Mm, that's pretty much <laughs> the truth, and um, and so I thought, literally thought, I'm going to be going in there, and I'm going to have some ideas about cookbooks because I'm pretty sure this is going to be a cookbook, and so mm-hmm. I had kind of come up with some ideas. I'm like, I've got these really great ideas for it. She's like, No, 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 no. No, okay you have to challenge yourself to do something far more important here and not that cookbooks aren't important that's absolutely oh, yeah. not yep. the case but what she saw in um me I guess that I didn't see in myself was that I had actually started a movement I had defined a phrase low tox. not many people know that that actually came from me really? um and then um and then had given it life, had spent the better, of, a better part of eight years describing what it meant to be low-tox to the point where now everybody uses it in their mm. clean living lexicon um, as a way to be. Like you see people that I've never met before that aren't even readers of my stuff that have never come across Alex before who say, yeah, I'm really trying to be more low-tox. And, and she said that is a thing. We need you to be the person who defines this once and for all in a concrete book and think about what that contents page needs to look like, what journey you're taking people on, and I'd love for you to send me a contents page in the next 48 hours. So I was like, oh, my god, <laughs> And it really kind of, you know, when you Who's get challenged to do, um, my publisher's Murdoch books and I love Murdoch books. I've mm. always loved um, the sense of substance and um, yeah. digging deep into subjects. You know, like gorgeous um,
2: Jude Jude
5: Lareau, Holly Davis, uh, you know, really, really substantial um, books on the food and um, and lifestyle front. And I just, um, it was fortuitous because I'd been, I'd spoken to publishers before, but you know, you just don't even feel like returning an email, like something doesn't compel you to keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I guess part of that was probably having moldy brain and for people who don't understand what that means, <laughs> show number 55 on my podcast, will tell you all about that. Yes. Um, but, um, but this really just felt different. And so I worked my butt off for two days, like non-stop, thinking, what does this, how could I organize all the information from eight years of blogs and courses and content in like, what does this look like? And that's when I came up with the food, body, home and mind chapters and really starting to organise everything into this journey that people could go on or, as the, the front says, you know, a handbook, so that idea that you could just pick it up and choose your own adventure and one day go, oh, I want to work on, I don't know, household dust, as unsexy as that might be, you know, it's a good thing to okay, what are some strategies that can put in place because that's where the majority of allergens and toxins are in our indoor breathing space, so you know, and that you could then pick up the page and go, oh, okay, I'm finally going to have a go at convincing everybody in my family that a gluten-free chocolate pudding can taste delicious and I'm going to invite everybody over I'm going to make that dessert, you know, and you could. It's. it doesn't need to necessarily be something that you have to follow any steps of and you can really apply it to your own priorities, what you want to work on. One day you're working on hair, the next month you're working on um, cutting corners on your food budget but trading up to organic where possible, like there's so many different things you can work on. And my hope in the positive messaging throughout the entire book is that you realise that this is about you building change by your own definition, your own set of priorities, as opposed to, saying, you know, following some guru who's making you do it in this many steps and that many weeks and, you know, everything more becomes a personal exploration of what really matters to us once we do some digging into our own desires for change and what we want our lives to look like because I don't think we all do enough of that we all just go oh they're telling us we have to you know yeah. <clears throat> follow blindly and do it this way and that's the only way we're going to um, lose weight or have a healthy gut or you know enter any possible promise here right and often we don't think about what we want enough and I recognize that in just running so many courses over the years and seeing people go no but just give me the plan it's like no no you need to do the work to figure out what you want your plan to be. Then we can slot me in to help you, you know, with whatever it is um, you want to look at. And now there's the book to help you do that.
2: It's so easy to dash from one thing to another, just quickly following everybody that pops up. Oh,
5: absolutely.
2: And then you get overwhelmed and go, well, actually that's not working
5: for me. (laughs) Oh, hello. And I remember like feeling like that with um with ketogenic diet and um thinking oh that's you know maybe that's finally going to be the thing that brings my leptin down because when you're recovering from mold illness, leptin is often sky high in people and off Obviously, that makes you just feel like this bottomless pit who's always hungry even though you don't need any food and all that good stuff. Um, and, uh, and so bringing leptin down, yes, there's a couple of small studies that show that, that ketogenic diet's amazing for that. But then if you actually look at your own personal DNA, which I had done because it was such a complex medical issue that I felt it really warranted it um, to navigate this whole mould inflammation thing, um, was that um, my, gene- my genotype does not do well on high saturated fat diets and, uh, or high fat diets in general. And I do much better um, with um, the Mediterranean style of eating and I've known that. I've actually known sense. that my entire yeah. life. Yeah, it makes sense because of your um, family my, my very strong French heritage, yeah. exactly, yeah. So, you know, I think we need to look inside ourselves a lot more and think about what our own drivers and our own feelings are around making changes and not feel like we've failed if someone's way of doing things out there um, doesn't work for us. And, mm-hmm. and so that, that was one of probably the most important things in the book for me to convey, um, that your change has to be Something that you design,
3: Alex. We've been talking about uh, making changes outside the realm of food recently. That's been a focus for us here in quirky cooking. Mm. We had this message from uh, a woman in our gut health program about a friend of hers, was a single mom of two, dealing with eczema, and she's using a lot of steroid creams. And she's getting steroid withdrawals. Oh. as she's trying to wean off. Yeah, and they are asking, you know you know, are there any positive stories out there? You know, trying to get something hopeful mm. for her to say, you can, you can do this or you can get over it or whatever. And they're wondering what kind of dietary changes a person can make around this. And I got really overwhelmed just by the thought of a single mom of two who's doing yeah. that kind of stuff, starting to make changes. In and
2: out of hospital. Or, mm. Yeah.
3: Imagine, you know, like going on the GAPS diet or something like that, when you're that struggling in your life. Mm. And, um, you know, Joe and I've been talking a lot about simplifying your life and and one of the things is um the the home and the things that you use in the home so we find that if you make those changes they're easily more permanent than permanent changes in the diet Mm. can you talk a little bit about that like how what are what are the easy points in the home that you can take things around for a human being who's just living in the uh, dominant culture, civilized, you know, Western world. Yeah. And they're consuming the things that they're consuming and um, not knowing that they're actually doing them damage. Where do people start to see really big changes without having to put a lot of effort?
5: Look, I think the number one thing is to um, have a look at your um, synthetic fragrance use in the home.
4: Yeah.
5: Like, because that is some, that's just a case of stopping using things so you don't even need to replace them mm. because um, it's actually just a cultural thing to They're think that we need to have fragranced indoor air all the time. It's actually <laughs> completely contrived
3: by sorry, marketing. Is, fra- is that, hold on, sorry, like indoor fragrance? Sorry. Yeah, like, so I'm uh,
5: thinking like, no no, uh-huh. no, 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 I'll, I'll explain. So basically I'm talking air fresheners, mm. scented oh. candles, oh. scented reeds, plug-in okay, yeah. air fresheners. Um, plug on squirt. the wall squirty um, air fresh air systems oh, gross <laughs> um like fabric <laughs> <Yeah>. softener <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> fabric softener is a huge one um and those would be the the four or five things i would simply just stop using because our bodies are like um software systems right and i think i heard jude laro create this parallel recently at a talk and And so we, you know, we're plugging all this information into our software and our computer to make it work. And um, if, if, if we weren't programmed that way to understand that information, there's nothing you can do to make the human body understand a synthetic fragrance that has over 150 chemical compounds in it. Um, there just simply isn 't, and so eventually it tries to compute, tries to compute, tries to compute, and for so many of us who maybe we don 't have um, a great set of cyP450 genes, which means we don 't process toxins very well, or maybe we 've got MTHFR variant, another. Um, one who's not great at processing um, toxins, and that stuff builds up and it can start to create inflammatory responses, which is why you get so many people with multiple chemical sensitivities, why you get so many people aggravated um, on the skin, in the lungs, however it might show up. Inflammation is a bit of a beast that kind of shows up in really unpredictable ways. And so um, for me, simply removing some of the things that don't need replacing... Is, is one of the best ways you can start because it doesn't cost you anything. It's, instead, it actually starts to cost you less. So that's always, you know, everyone always says, oh, but swapping to all these natural products is going to be so expensive. Often we need to reevaluate how much we're buying in the first place and realise that we don't actually need to swap everything over. We can actually just cut down and yeah. trade up.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a good way to say it, cut down and trade up.
5: Love it. Mm. Can you explain
3: yeah. what that, what you mean by cutting down and trading up?
5: Cutting down and trading up means stop using those five things that I just talked about. So your mm-hmm. scented candle, scented reeds, um, fabric softener and um, what were the other things? And the plug-in air fresheners and wall air fresheners and canned air fresheners um and um just so basically you would be saving say gosh if you buy a scented candle a month some of those are like 50 bucks
2: they're so expensive they're
5: ridiculous um and so you could potentially be saving a hundred dollars a month if you're counting like all of the fragrance products so imagine what you can then invest that hundred dollars into instead right it could be trading up on some organic food it could be um, training up on seeing a naturopath once a month to get some holistic care over your eczema issue. It, you know, if we think back to that example and we think, oh my gosh, you know, I just can't afford it. But what else are we spending our money on? And I remember when we first went organic, as an example, my husband was just out of bartending in his first corporate job. It wasn't a great paying job and we had a small baby. And so I wasn't earning, uh, I think I was earning like maybe Gosh, not much, whatever it was. I think it was one or $200 a week just doing some admin on a small business that I um, was in partnership in at the time. So suffice it to say that um, we were on very little coin and what I realised was just by stopping doing some of the things that don't serve me, it then freed up some cash to do some of the things I really wanted to change, which for us at that time was better quality food, more organic food um less packet snacks and so you kind of realize oh my gosh i'm buying all these vacuous packet snacks that are filling my trolley none of them are nourishing me all of them are processed all of them are wrapped in plastic and all of them cost my weekly shop 60 70 bucks so if i take that 60 70 bucks out and reinvest it that is cost neutral organic ethical meat and probably the top five fruit and veg that i would buy Mm-hmm. Cost neutral. doesn't cost you any more. We have to challenge ourselves to just think differently about what we're buying in the first place and match it more towards our goals and then stuff becomes easier to let it fall away. I really believe that. But you've got to do that defining work of setting your priorities based on what you really want to change because then the change is going to be easy. If you do it by someone else's book, it's always going to feel like you have to do it instead of you want to do it.
3: So from what I hear you saying is that Alex Stewart hasn't always been low-tox life, Alex Stewart, by the sounds of
2: it. Oh, my God, no. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, no. I have to say when I read your story in the front of the book. Yeah, it's the first, first two pages. Realized, I didn't realise, Alex. I yeah. Didn't, I mean, I sort of knew that you were in the hospitality party kind of industry. Yeah. But I didn't know the de- – and and I read it and I got tears in my eyes. I was Aww. like, oh, my goodness, Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> (laughs) That's, wow, that's a lot to, can you tell your story and tell people, you know, where you're coming from?
5: Yeah, should I read a little bit at the first? Okay, hold on, let me just open it up. Okay, here we go. So, so there's this girl I know. She eats microwave popcorn. It seems to make her cough, but she doesn't wonder about that though. Yum. Her idea of a quick meal is the kind where you pour the contents of the sachet into a bowl, add skim milk, microwave for three minutes and 50 seconds on high, add some chopped zucchini at the last minute. She smokes a lot, nearly a pack a day. She really enjoys it, though, so she's not quitting anytime soon, although she promises her family with some pie-in-the-sky future date that she would. And, by the way, that ended up being May 1st, 2005. My birthday. Um,
3: Yeah, how is
4: that? Oh, there you go. Well, not
3: 2005, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
5: She has a couple of cocktails or wines after work every night and sometimes a couple of shots of tequila too. She's on four different long-term medications for sinus issues, contraceptive and migraine relief. She feels nervous if there are no extra strength painkillers in the house. She's not sure why she gets so sick all the time and needs to pop so many painkillers and cold and flu tablets, but she doesn't really have time to think about all that. Off to work. She gets put on antibiotics every other month for her crappy tonsils and then antifungal medication to deal with the aftermath. Her favourite naughty chips are the smoky barbecue corn chips. So strange, but she coughs and she coughs and she eats them and she gets a headache. But they taste so good. Hold on, just turning the page. She has a collection of more than 50 perfumes, constant headaches, smells good though, fragrance for every mood. She uses a strong-smelling aerosol deodorant, and has more than 50 skincare products in her cupboards. She uses a scrub with magical micro-exfoliating beads, thousands of them in every tube. She's pretty sure there are fewer wrinkles on her face because of it, just like the ad said. So she raves about it to her friends. She has more than 200 makeup items she keeps in a three-tiered display chest. Her eyes water for a good couple of hours after doing her face in the mornings and feel a little itchy. Nice colours though. She buys low-fat yogurt, low-fat dressing, low-fat cottage cheese, low-fat crackers, fat-free chocolate pudding, low-fat tasty cheese, skim milk, fat-free marshmallows and a low-fat breakfast shake popper as a part of her regular shop, all of which she believes are the better choice because the ad said so, right? She uses an air deodorizer so that the hospitality uniform smells nice and fresh and fabric softener to make everything super soft and smell yummy. She's really thin, so she must be pretty healthy, right? She could be any of us out there and probably is, at least in part, but in this case she's actually me, age 26. Right that was me that yeah. really was me everything about it
2: didn't even share
5: all of it that's yeah. just a, a bit absolutely. of a snapshot <laughs> but you
2: know i think the thing that made me feel a bit emotional was that's so many people and it is they don't know why they or sometimes they don't even realize that they do feel um unwell absolutely they start making the changes and then they go oh it's not normal to have that dull ache in my head all the time mm. gone yeah you know, and it's sad to see that. But, wow, what a change you've made. So how did you start to change? Why did you start to change? Well,
5: Basically. I think as for, as for many of us, it, it was that kind of that breaking point where you think yeah. something forces you to out-of-the-box thinking um, because if you grew up conventionally, and I was, you know, child of the 80s and 90s is like peak convenience mentality. Yeah. You know, there was no such thing as a war on waste documentary to shake the better, the bigger version, the bigger portion of the population up about what choices we were making. Like, we were all just living convenient lives, and how handy was it that we had all this convenient stuff, and fun stuff, and tasty stuff, and stuff to take a nice break with. You know, all that marketing was our generation. And so, if you grew up in a city and, um, and we're just living a regular life. It was all there, but what I um, had as a bit of a turning point was in my late twenties. Um, the tonsillitis just got so bad that um, the antibiotics weren't working anymore, and um, and that was sort of a bit scary. And I'd, I'd been on the third round for this particular um, um, bout of it, and um, and then uh, what happened? Yeah, I remember a friend was over, and she said. Look, I know it's a bit kind of out like left field, but maybe you should see a naturopath. And I didn't even know what that was. I had no oh, idea. That was
2: weak when I first saw one. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I a bit woo woo.
5: Yeah, that's right. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, and so I found one. She recommended one through a friend that had been to one. It sounds like a drug dealer, right? I know, <laughs> that I sounds know. a bit underground. Okay. Um, But uh, so I went and Christine really changed my life. She really showed me first with the fixing of the tonsils, second with the elimination of gluten way before it was cool to do so and the impact that had on my general health and general um, uh, resistance to every, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry infection that might come along that I would always normally get, just stopped getting those. Um, And to my headaches, which largely um, calmed down after leaving the cosmetics industry a few years before bartending, but, um, but really just stopped getting migraines. I haven't had a migraine since I quit gluten. Yeah, so no, two mild cases, three mild cases of tonsillitis, I think, in 14 years compared to four or five times a it's year. Been
3: 14 years since you quit gluten?
5: Uh twelve years since I put gluten. Yeah. And Mm
3: -hmm. you haven't died from a gluten deficiency yet? I
5: haven't died from a gluten
3: deficiency, no.
5: (laughs) I think I remember (laughs) once I was when I was pregnant with Seb I knew that if you had allergies or intolerances to things when you were pregnant he tended to be able to take them back up. So, of course, as a half Frenchie, I remember um, having my daily palmier from the local bakery um, and, uh, and having the de croissant. And it was funny because when Seb was born, I then was lured into this false sense of, oh, spelt's fine. Spelt's like the more digestible form of wheat. But obviously, once you have the baby, a lot of those issues come back. And, um, and for a while I just kind of convinced myself that, that they weren't coming back but I got tonsillitis mild yeah. but I got it twice and I thought, mm. oh, no, I've really yeah. just got to not yeah. do this. So, yeah, been fully, fully gluten-free for nine years. Um, and um, But interestingly, um, the, the next thing that really made me think, wow, these, these holistic practitioners, people who look at the body in, in a way to sort of set up all the systems so that our body heals itself um, more efficiently on its own was when I, um, I had had the success with Christine on the gluten front, on the tonsillitis front, and then I hadn't had a period for almost a couple of years coming off the contraceptive pill. Wow. And um, and I said, okay, what do you got for this? Because I've just been told I might have early onset menopause after a whole bunch of tests, um, wow. which also revealed PCOS. Um and she, she just laughed and she was really angry that I'd been told that. So it sort of, sort of clued me into the fact that there are people who believe that these puzzles are worth solving and um, once you've come to the end of one road, that doesn't mean you just stop trying to solve them. It just means you explore a different road. And um and so she she had me swinging again in six weeks on, mm. you know, some disgusting tasting herbs of course. <laughs> um, but I was just like, Wow, you're like some kind of magician. This is crazy. <laughs> because that, that you know, that those were long term issues that both just kind of got pipped straight away after working with her. And um and while I would never go see a naturopath if my um vein had burst or if I needed an emergency C-section to get me and my beautiful boy healthily into the world together and and not die, um, I would see our incredible medical um, and modern medical system for acute care. I do believe very firmly that we all need a good GP and a good Mm -hmm. naturopath or nutritionist on our side in our toolkit Um, because they both just know such different things. Yep. And, um, and, and I, it's looking like that's, that's a great way forward from, for many people now more and more. Um, so that's kind of how I, I started to realize there was a connection between what I was eating, what I was putting on my skin and how I was feeling. And, um, and over the years, I guess, you know, one of the, the, I mean, the, the most important things has been was to really kind of become a bigger picture thinker when it comes to health concerns and to not just think I'm just going to take what's in front of me right here right now to fix this today um, to make it go away but I'm going to think what's the big picture of why this happens more than once, you know, and, um, and then you start to look at that with problems in the world and that, you know, you can make the picture as big as you're um, brave to do so that's kind of why I then started writing because I just wanted to keep making this bigger picture for more people. And eight years ago there were pretty much wasn't anyone talking about environmental toxins in a friendly blog kind of format. It was mainly sort of activist or big um, big activist networks that were saying really scary doom and gloom stuff and doing incredible work, of course, but, like, often not relatable to the common person. Yeah. And so I just started picking up products, picking up things that I used, researching what they were made from and starting to connect over that. So things like, okay, tooth floss, let's, let's have a look at what that's made of. And then you go, oh my gosh, it's coated with Teflon sugar and just (laughs) things like that. So everything, you know, I would then just start to write a blog and one thing led to another and then started to realise, I guess, that it wasn't practical to be up till 2am answering people's questions about what shampoo (laughs) they should get or iron they should use or casserole they should buy or, you know, all those sorts of things. And that's when the courses started to take it again next level and be able to help more people.
3: Um, Alex, this is a book that's really um, going to be used for change. People are going to be changing their lives based on, on your book. So the work that you've been doing has been focused around allowing people to change their lives for the better and to go low talks. What's your experience? Um, What's the hardest thing about change and where do people find snags and how do they overcome them?
5: Well, I guess, I mean, we've kind of touched on it already and I really think it does come back to whether you've done enough thinking work on why you're curious to make a change in the first place what the desire factor is and what the deeper understanding about the why of the change in the first place. So in the book I talk about an example which so many of us have been through is um, trying to damn well forget uh, to to remember your reusable bags. And that was like a two-year process many years ago now, but it was a two-year process of, oh, just this once. Oh, bugger, I forgot it again, you know, and like just permissing myself. (laughs) And then I saw... Um, a documentary that really helped me understand the magnitude of plastic pollution and that the ocean is downhill from everywhere and that we are fools to think that 70% of throwaway plastics don't end up in the ocean because they do. And, um, and you know, I think, uh, I think um, 50% of the plastics that are produced are used once. And things like that just made me go, whoa, this is crazy. And so I really got in touch with a very powerful emotional connection to why I needed to once and for all not just do this sometimes but really make that change. And it became a big priority. So these are the little factors that then start to set you up for success. No different to setting up a success for successfully quitting smoking or successfully... um, making sure you home cook half of your meals from scratch or, you know, whatever goal you might want to set yourself up. If you don't do the work to really understand why and to really get in touch with why you want to make that change, it's not going to work. It's why everybody quits diets after two weeks. You know, people haven't done the work yet. And um, that can sometimes feel confrontational, scary, but it's also the most exciting part of the whole thing because you're like, wow, you get some rah-rah in your belly and you go, I really want to do this. (laughs) So with the plastic bag example, like I just started saying to myself, no, if you don't have the bag, you don't get to shop any more than you can carry. And so I I remember buying... 10 avocados for a party because I was on guacamole duty and um, and just stuffing these 10 avocados in a tiny little bag that I had and I thought everyone must think I've shoplifted these because this looks really dodgy <laughs> or like wrapping things in my gym towel and carrying them back to the car that way and doing things that were inconvenient to me. And then once something's become a bit inconvenient to you, you're like I am now very incentivized to remember that bag Or, you know, if you say to yourself, no cup, no coffee, then pretty much every um, urban coffee drinker who routinely goes (laughs) to a shop to get a coffee a couple of times a day is going to very quickly start remembering their reusable cup. But so a bit of gentle discipline is also important, but discipline doesn't work and doesn't last, I really believe, unless you've done those first two things, which is to really understand what you want to prioritise and then to gather the information you need to make that priority feel like it really needs to happen and you want it to happen badly.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I was looking at your list of um, reasons why we find it hard to make change and you touched on this earlier, but I thought the way that you said this was so good. You said we copy someone else's version of change, Mm. we lose ourselves in the process and then one day we wake up and we think I can't do this anymore and we give up. And that's such an important point, and I know we mentioned it before. But um, like for me, the plastic bag thing—I was the same. I found it really hard to remember, and so probably half the time I would forget my plastic bags. Um, And I had to figure out a way for 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 it to work for me. And I think you mentioned also that you just put you put your reusable bags everywhere. So I've got them in the back of my car. Oh, totally. Handbag by the front door. (laughs) But thankfully, our shop also has a big. Um, wooden crate out the front with reusable material bags that anyone can use and put back when they're done.
5: Yeah, we've got a lot of those popping up yeah, around here as well. Great. They're awesome. Some,
2: some young mm. girls did it in mm. the town. Um, and so, you know, you do have to figure out ways that you can manage yourself. Um, I had a question to ask you, where is it? Oh, yes. Um, so can you give us some more, um, like you did at the start talk about the fragrances mm. what's something else that someone can do it's a simple step to start easing into the lotox kind of life because it does overwhelm people mm. what's you know when you're talking to people. What are you finding that they're able to change pretty easily? That's another
4: one?
5: Um, one of the other ones, um, because I always share my mouldy story when I give talks now as a commitment to raising awareness on how many of us are affected by mould and mm. ne- negatively impacts our health, I um, Something I'm finding there is that people just then they're desperate. Like, how do I improve my indoor? How do I keep humidity down? And for me, one of the best things you can do if you live in a humid area is to invest in a couple of dehumidifiers for your indoor space. I need to do that. Mm, They're really important to have. And yes, it'll cost you probably a thousand bucks to have two. But like, think about the cost. Like, I could. You would die if you knew how much I spent on trying to get out of this chronic inflammatory response syndrome yeah. mess, at least. Well, if you count having to ditch all of our furniture and buy all new stuff really? in the move. Um, you're Maybe
2: looking you looking just at- explain what this mould thing is. We have talked about it in another podcast, but in case someone's coming into this. yeah
5: yeah sure so um, mold can affect about a quarter of the population who don't have the the gene mix that helps you clear the mycotoxins that mold spores produce and depending on what the mold spore count is in your home is going to depend on um, the quality of your indoor air when it comes to mold specifically and the quality of your health and the probability of inflammation or a chronic inflammatory response that you make to that mould. Because kind of like someone with a, um, almost like someone with an allergy having an immune response to that food, even if a tiny grain of it goes down their their, wind part, uh, their um, digestive tract. So, um, or, you know, a hay fever sufferer with a pollen, you know, it doesn't take much and it creates this, immune response but an inflammatory response is a little bit different um and can affect any and every system in your body so i we didn't realize because we didn't have a typical kind of black mold growing on the wall situation but i do remember um in retrospect of course man i hate retrospect as a teacher (laughs) it really is just one of the most frustrating things isn't it But um, I remember looking back, I remember thinking I feel fantastic when I'm travelling. I remember thinking, gosh, I just, when I go to Margie's house down south, I can sit at that dining table till 2 in the morning with the most crisp brain and write long-form research pieces like it's nothing. But at home I feel like I'm just fuzzy, I'm foggy, you know, it takes me forever to get something done. Um, And then I remember going to um, overseas with Ollie. um, We were away I think for about nine, eight, nine days. And um, when we came home and the whole house had been closed up because Seb was um, on grandma's share. He spent half of the time with one grandma and the other half with the other, so no one was at our place. And so everything was locked up and it was winter. And I remember getting home, feeling the dampness of the carpet, um, seeing the condensation over all the windows um, and um, curling up on the couch. and And it's the closest experience I've had to depression. Wow. It was almost instant and it was literally like my environment had closed in on me and and I felt dark, like dark. And um, and then but I couldn't but like, you know, you, you rationalise. You think, oh, it's so cold. You know, I hate winter. Or you think, uh, you know, rationalisation is another curse because you think, no, don't rationalise this. Try and figure out what it is about this house that's making you feel this way which is why I think building biology is one of the most important um, yeah. uh, uh, important new tools that we have. Um, but, um, but, yeah, so uh, over the years, obviously, um, one of the other things that just sort of started to happen, even though I eat beautifully and food that really suits my body, and, uh, but my digestive system just kept getting worse and worse. I kept putting on more and more weight. You know, I'm about 10 kilos heavier than I was eight years ago. Um, by eating better than I've ever eaten and, you know, and that just makes no sense. So mould um, can drive leptin levels in people and so you can end up on a very, um, very unintentional uh, weight gain journey um, being surrounded by mould if you're one of those um, one in four people. And, um, and not have any idea why it's happening. It's like, why me? And then, of course, because it's an inflammatory response, if you try to do lots of cardio, lots of spin, lots of um, big functional um, exercise programs, you actually put on more weight because you just become more inflamed. And so all this stuff is happening and I'm having no idea why it's happening. But retrospect keeps teaching me when you're away, you're better. When you're back, you're worse. And the last one was getting um, a leaky tear duct. And when I say leaky eye, like I mean like literally just tearing all day, every day. And it was the strangest thing. And I was like, gosh, this is really weird. And I remember um, going to Mauritius for my godson's wedding and it stopped while we were over there. And I thought, oh, thank God that thing finally stopped. So then we came home and it started again. I was like, oh, damn. And then the ophthalmologist and the um, the oculoplastic surgeon who was um, looking at why this tear duct might be blocked because it didn't have something in it it was just closed up um they both kind of rationalized that as did i rationalization again um oh it must have just been all the good salt water and getting good drainage it was inflammation so you look at the mold symptoms and and the multi-system um response that people can have and leaky tears tear ducts is one of the because your tear duct is so tiny right so if you're inflamed very easy for that to to get inflamed and, and close and like not be able to pass tears through um and uh and then i started to um make a link between histamine first and then sort of going down that histamine journey where i was sort of like gosh when i eat that's when i get the major palpitations What am I eating? And then, of course, what am I eating? I'm eating long-cooked broths, cultured foods, um, you know, all the things that are higher in histamine, oily, tinned fish. I mean, I was eating a lot of the top foods for histamine content, which then got me into mold forums almost from like Google accident. Like I didn't, (laughs) uh, you don't know what you're searching for until little pennies drop and you start to, um, and you start to kind of piece it all together and you go, oh, my gosh, you know, all the foods I thought I needed are the foods that I really don't need right now. It's not to say I won't need them again down the track when my inflammation's under control. But for a couple of years, I've got to be much more mindful of, um, of sticking to extremely anti-inflammatory foods. But as you guys know, with gaps, right, like that can be extremely anti-inflammatory mm. to the people that it supports, right? So yeah. this is where inflammation becomes really confusing for people. Because it's like, well, something's anti-inflammatory to that person but not to me and this is where we need to be our best teachers and lead by symptom first and really, like as any great doctor will say, I listen to my patients for the answers, I don't look at a blood test. Hmm. Um, and uh, and I think, you know, we need to surround ourselves with more people who who take us for face value for what we're experiencing rather than, um, than it not necessarily fitting into anything anyone understands yet. You know what I mean?
2: Yes, yeah. Um,
5: and so, um, so once I started digging around mold forums, I was like, oh my gosh. And it got me into Dr. Shoemaker's work. And then I saw his multi-system, um, graph that he has for like all the different, um, symptoms. And by this stage, it was, it was January or February last year, I think. So I'd had the tear duct surgery, um, and it fixed the tear duct because they put like a little silicone kind of, um, I can't, stent in to open it back up again for six weeks. and um, But I, I had kind of started tearing again every now and then. I was like, whoa. And guess what? Like in the literature it says it's very common for this to recur in people. It's oh, wow. <laughs> was like, yeah, because if you stay in your freaking mouldy house. Yeah, you haven't
2: <laughs> dealt with the root cause.
5: <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. Mm. So, um, so then I started checking off all these symptoms that I'd started getting thick and fast when it became a full inflammation cascade. So, I mean, you know, take a pen because it's going to take you five hours to notate. But (laughs) very quickly I'll share a few. Um, So the leaky eye, um, electric shocks, uh, shooting, stabbing random pains anywhere in your body, um, and uh, migrating skin pains, so little patches of skin that would hurt and then it would migrate to another patch of skin somewhere else on your body, but there would be nothing you could see, like it wouldn't be eczema or red or rashy or anything. It just hurt. Um, hives, uh, heart palpitations, ectopic beats, tachycardia, um, and this is my list of symptoms, not the, um, not the full list of symptoms on the, There are a few extra ones. Um, uh, severe gut issues. So either constipation or diarrhea. Um, I guess constipation is the better one to have of those two because you can always do something about it. But, um, so I had that, uh, what else I could go on and on. There are so many more. So brain fog, um, severe brain fog. Anxiety, a jumpiness. I remember Ollie walking past me in a corridor and I didn't, I, for some reason, I just didn't know. And we, like, it's a t- three bedroom apartment, it's not like it's a huge house, <laughs> but he, he, I didn't know he was on the bedroom side instead of the living side for some reason. Not that it should even matter, right? But I jumped out of my skin and my heart didn't calm down for about four hours. Really? Um, and then my wow. sister, I remember when I was at my worst, was around Christmas time, 2006. 16, 17. And, um, and I went for a walk after dinner with my sister and my dad. And you know, those bits of bark that kind of curl up and fall onto the ground from like gum trees and things. Mm -hmm. So she just played a very normal sisterly joke and like pulled me to the side of the road really quickly went, Oh my God, it's a snake. And I didn't get to sleep till 7am the (gasps) next day. Seven AM the next day, my heart finally started to calm down. So that is how
4: adrenaline,
5: that's too. how much adrenaline is running oh around health. your body. Basically trying to clear toxins. You pee every half hour to an hour through whole night. Your body's no just trying to do every pull every um, card out of the deck to, to trick out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And ah. nothing is working. Um, lots of sweats. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, I think I've even missed some, I really do. Uh, It was just horrific. Oh yeah. Twitching and tremoring, of course, the worst too. And that made me feel like, oh my God, I've got some sort of terminal disease. Mm -hmm. No one can feel this bad without it being near death. Like that's Mm -hmm. how bad it was. And I'm, uh, you know, people could make me sound like a crackpot or like I'm exaggerating. I know how I felt and I felt very, very scared. And it was it was I think my positive outlook or my 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 desire to be hopeful on the outside that maybe meant that my family didn't quite understand, or even Ollie didn't quite understand how bad it was until I speak back about those times. like how yeah. did I not know that that's how bad you felt? Um, but I really really, really felt horrific and um
2: and and so like getting due to mold Oh,
5: yeah, because wow. um like it, it takes a good couple of years to fully recover when you've been exposed for that long we were in that apartment and and a moldy one before so in total nine years Mm. um so it's definitely going to be a slow road but just the act of moving out of the old apartment and into our um into our new one um oh shortness of breath sorry that was the other one because i just got molded the other day and i've still got shortness of breath recovering from that
3: um But um, so yeah. you found so, in your house? It wasn't obvious? It was hidden somewhere? Yeah,
5: you... it was probably through the carpets yeah. um, and in the dust. So the humidity inside with the carpet slab problem mm-hmm. um, and those two things and the condensation in the windows. Mm-hmm. So um, we did an ERMI test, which is a dust test where they send a Swiffer kit where you swatch 10 different spots around your home for, for the dust and then you get a report on the mould species and what's living there and in what counts and whether or not it's safe. Or, because there's mould everywhere. Like it's yeah. actually a natural part of nature. It's not, it's not necessarily evil, but kind of like microbiome and pathogens, you've got to keep the, the, the populations in check, right? Yeah. Um, and so this test shows you four quadrants of, of mould um, levels Um, And the fourth quadrant was what the result was for us. And it was like, of course, you know, that kind of beep, 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 the red, like totally blocked out, get the hell out of here or fully remediate. And you have to remove the person who's got SERS from this place because they will never feel well in that house. And so, you know, it's, it's a tricky one because, you know, you've got the husband that feels totally fine. Um, But you've got the partner that, you know, and this is how people can start to feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, there's such a hypochondriac. Everyone else is fine Yeah, It's so not the house. Um, But it's a gene thing. And if you just happen to have... The, the wrong mix of genes, then it's, um, then it's really something to be mindful of and something to pay attention to. Some A lot of people get misdiagnosed with chronic fatigue, arthritis. Mm. In the States, I've heard of cases of Parkinson's or MS being diagnosed when promise. actually it's mould. And I'm yeah. not saying every case is, of course not. There are some very genuine cases for these things, but... It's definitely something that's not on enough people's radars, and while I'm, it wasn't my intention to go down that rabbit hole with you guys, I think oh, you maybe know, it's somebody like,
2: out there needed this. Hundred
5: percent, I do it at every talk now. I don't care what else they've brought me on to talk about, but I always mention my mouldy story because it's so huge. And even at a conference that I did for Commonwealth Bank. Um, their risk management um, area of their business. So it was like 200, 300 people in a big ballroom at a big fancy hotel in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. I still did my mouldy story I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. And this um, guy came up to me and He said, do you mind if I have a chat? He said, we, I had an unexplained stroke. No one could figure out why I had this stroke last year. My daughter had asthma and tics, lots of um, yeah. facial tics and things. And um, I didn't realise. We just happened to have a rental lease end, so we moved. Um, and we felt much better. And I, I didn't re- like I had no pennies dropped because I didn't really know what we were looking for and why. We were just both glad we didn't feel so bad anymore. But as soon as you mentioned mould, I remembered you know three of the walls in our home having black mold growing on them and that was just the most awakening moment i've had in a long time and um, you know so it's, this is a, this is not discriminatory rich people poor people any person you know if you're the one in four you've got to watch out for yourself because these things can blow up into full inflammation cascades and i never want people to feel as bad as i did if i can possibly help it.
3: So Alex, now you've recovered, you're amazing, you're going <laughs> your to... Like, it feels
5: so good to you know, have my like, brain back, just yeah. to be able to give a talk and feel like I can organise my thoughts. Oh, my gosh. Your it's words just, work. Yeah, <laughs> my words work because word recall is one of the other issues. And interestingly enough, yeah. I know Seb must have a little mix from from me on the mouldy front because he used to get the odd nosebleed, which is one of the symptoms, yeah. and he... Um, he just sounded like a Mr. Snuffleupagus in bed and now he sounds quiet as a mouse, mm. so quiet. And his handwriting improved phenomenally within the huh. first month of moving um, because it obviously affects brain um, your brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, brain inflammation is one of the yeah. major concerns. So, yeah, it's incredible. Just, just moving out, I, I got at least 50% better within two weeks.
3: Mm. Wow. Something like word recall also could be related to adrenal fatigue. So just a, a shout out to the the audience. Yeah, we'll definitely get the um, mold and all these the, the home biology stuff. We did an episode on that. Yeah. Awesome.
2: Link we'll to that in the show. We'll put a
3: link to that too. But get it all checked out for sure. But they mm-hmm. are not and um, the list of things that Alex talked about, if you've got a bunch of those, it could be a really, really good sign that you might have more than the houses.
5: Yeah, that's right. And it, but the thing, it's so confusing, right? Because it's so, none of those symptoms relate to anything we've defined clinically before. So yeah. people are just like, Jesus, all these weird things wrong with me. What's yeah. going on? So, yeah.
3: Alex, um, it's really interesting uh, when I hear you talk, because like you mentioned that you're still sort of uh, recovering. It's a long road to recovery from spending all that time in a moldy house. And it's super important mm. to us to see people like you who are, you know, in a position of a, a mentor or a leader in the health area to actually be talking about their own health journeys and where they're at with honesty and transparency. Maybe you can share a little bit about where you are now and how you feel and what you feel you still have to work on.
5: Oh, that's a great question. And I think, you know, we don't talk about this enough. Everybody, like I remember being um, at someone's house because they were interviewing me for something. I kind of remember what it was. And uh, they were like, hold on, I've just got to put my eyelashes on and my hair extension in. And, uh, and like, it's like, um, but you're selling health, you know, and, and that's the reality of our industry. There's a lot of um,
4: fakeness.
5: fakeness. There really is. And it makes me sad that these beautiful people feel the need to, um, to change physical parts of themselves to the degree, degree whether it's not their own like i'm a big fan of makeup enhancing our natural features or or Coming people who gray. yeah <laughs> or you know i've even had friends in the past who've had um, really big personality um, uh, issues around anxiety because they've had a crow nose. I understand that kind of mm-hmm. um, adjustment um, and, you know, getting a nose job in that kind of situation. If it's, if it's really impacted your ability yeah. to socialise and feel good in the world, like mm-hmm. I get all of that, but I definitely don't get putting on a show um, when really the world just needs reality. We need <laughs> real people having real conversations and being super, super honest about the fact that even though you, it's not about future-proofing ourselves and being able to control everything, um, it's just about giving ourselves our best chance at being our most resilient and um, and our most bounce-backable when the mm-hmm. SHIT does hit the fan mm-hmm. sometimes yes. in our lives, mm-hmm. which, of course, it will, you know. Yeah. Mm. So I guess where I'm at now is I'm still very much working on the SIRS diagnosis. It frustrates me no end um, sometimes because... I am terrible. My body just does not like medication. So, you know, one of the things that's really handy to help you um, bring your um, leptin down is metformin, which is an amazing drug when it's needed sometimes for certain people. Um, and but I can't take it; it just makes my whole body burn. Oh, I can't process it; it just doesn't work. Um, another one is the cholestyramine, which is the bile sequestrant that draws all the mycotoxins out and expels them through the liver. Um, But that as well, um, I can only take two or three days at a time um, once, once every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. If I try and go on the four grams, four times a day, I literally get SERS again, like at its worst. Ah. It's like this huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So um, that frustrates me and I'm trying to figure out how best I work with a wonderful Mm -hmm. integrative doc, um, here in Sydney, and a beautiful naturopath. Um, for anyone who's in Sydney, um, my little duo, dynamic duo, are Kate um, Johnston from Core Wellbeing as my naturopath and um, Dr. Minyo in Bonner Junction. Oh,
2: yes, we met her at the Mind. Oh, she's
5: awesome, she's divine. Um, you know and, uh, and so we're working on trying to get phase one, phase two, like get the liver just getting used to getting rid of things and, and because mm. you don't want to liberate all this stuff and then have the liver not be able to, to yeah. actually expel it all. Um, and so we it's have like to go process. That's right, and when you've been exposed to this environmental toxin for eight years, then, it's, you know your body's just not working as well as mm. it, it could be to do this stuff. Yeah. Um, which is what makes me laugh when so many um, quack people say, you know, we have a detox, uh, like we have the liver. That's what it does. You don't yeah. need to do detoxing yeah.
4: You're Like, well,
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love for you to look at my case. No, honestly, really, yeah. come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so that's what I'm working on to to get the next kind of um, phase. But I'm I'm probably up to just from working on the liver, from at least doing cholestyramine whenever I can, um, and um, and just eating really anti-inflammatory foods from from the SIRs perspective. So lots of sprouts, lots of um, fresh veggies, lots of smoothies. Um, lots of um, really nourishing, very high-nutrient things like liver pate, Mm-hmm. um which i saw your half empty liver <laughs> pate before that's totally me in my fridge at the moment too joe
2: i just have to um, tell everybody when, yeah. when Alex <laughs> sat down, we had the videos on and i said oh my goodness guys look how much liver pate i just ate and i'd eaten like oh there's
4: about <laughs> one of left
2: oh, out of a whole ramekin yeah. <laughs> i just sat here and ate it just now
5: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's so good um <laughs> and uh And um, you know, if I make soups, I just do really short cooked broths, and then you know um, don't have any underground starch veggies I only have like pumpkin is my favorite go to so that's definitely yeah. something i've got in common with yeah. Um I love pumpkin and um, uh, and um what else? And, yeah, just sticking away from any tinned foods, any seafood that has been sitting at a counter for a couple of days, I tend to just go for frozen because um, that means it's... It just Both. gets like off a boat and frozen yeah. straight away, so the histamine count stays low. Um, and I just keep avocado, tomato, eggplant to a bit of a minimum at the moment. Like, can ha- I've started to be able to have them every now and then, which is awesome. Because at my worst, I was literally eating lamb mince and rocket and sprouts every I day, all you day. You remember the retreat, right?
2: Yeah. yeah, that's all yeah, I could you eat. Keep it so plain, hey? yeah, yeah. And so you've, um, you've done, um, you've made a lot of progress since. Then. Oh,
5: so much. Progress, oh okay. my gosh! well and, you know
3: like you, you're amazing, like listening to this podcast, just your ability to articulate yourself and just yeah. get the words out there on. Mm. You know, Topics is just amazing. Like I know how hard it is to have brain fog and oh, this. Oh yeah. my god,
5: it's so frustrating! And I think that's why, <laughs> that's why having a podcast was probably the most um, lucky thing I could have had to sort of feel like I could still work. But it's yeah. actually an expert doing all the talking. I just have to ask the questions because <laughs> yeah. in the hardest, hardest time when I was really sick, I could at least still do that once a week. Yeah. And I could still, because it would really have broken my heart to feel like I had to not do anything. Yeah. And um, and sure, writing was yeah. definitely something I couldn't do. It's only just now that, you know, writing the book was a monster of a task, getting overseas at the same time. But, yeah. um, but you know, I did it. It's so encouraging
2: though. Just, yeah. yeah, congratulations. Cause you, yeah. Like you've yeah. got so much energy now. And, oh, I do. Sure, you might not be. Yeah perfectly there but who is <laughs> i know
5: well you know it's all just We're a journey yeah on. and something like SERS is, is so it's just it's not even clinically recognized yet so right. there's a lot of stabbing in the dark there's a lot of looking at the individual there's a lot of trying to figure out what the best treatment protocol is, is going to be
2: how do you spell it if someone wants to look it up
5: chronic inflammatory response syndrome and the anagram is, is it an anagram no
2: what, what do you call I think it it's an anagram.
5: Yeah, it is. (laughs) My son (laughs) teaches me things about grammar that I've forgotten. Oh, so does Um, mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And Sirs, C I R S is the the short thing. Or if you look up mold, M O L D, because the American spelling is going to give you more um, search terms. Mold illness is the other the other term for it. Um, And Doctor Shoemaker was the is probably the foremost expert in the world on SIRS because not only did he coin the term, but he really developed some pretty strong treatment recommendations, very precise, um, Mm. developed the SIRS symptom picture um, and uh, all that kind of stuff with thousands and thousands of patients over his career. And Mm. the poor man, you know, I hope he, um, before he dies, the um, medical associations around the world actually recognise mould as an illness for people because... Still haven't. No, not even in the states. It's still it's still hypochondria, airy fairy. Mm, yeah, airy fairy inflammation. Um, well, it's yeah. made a big
2: difference knowing it for you.
5: <laughs> yeah, massive yeah. difference. And just connecting the toxic mold support group on Facebook is run by a wonderful Australian guy, Caleb, um, and uh, and um, just the, seeing people's stories. Mm. It's just devastating what people are going through. You know, I'm just very lucky that I have been able to have a family support me through treatment to have um, a business that um, I earn a wage from, uh, you know, to be able to, um, you know, to have had savings to then be able mm. to change my furniture even though I would have preferred that to finally go towards a house. <laughs> That's what we were working yeah. on. You know, at the same time, health is always the number one because, yeah. you know, you can live in a great house and <laughs> just feel horrible. So it's good. Um, but, you know, all those things I had, there are so many people who, who they're are stuck in on, that situation, I suppose. Yeah, they're on pensions and in housing commission yeah. estates where the mould is the worst but they, mm. they, they don't have any other way out. So I think, you know, there's a national inquiry the government is doing into mould at the moment. Okay. Um, so hopefully that'll mean um, that there are more rights for tenants especially um, and um, and a more of a seriousness around um, mould remediation. Mm.
2: Do you think your, so that's going back to your story of, you know, all the toxic chemicals that were in your everyday life, that's greatly impacted how you reacted to mold?
5: I reckon there would have, yeah. It's all a soup, right? And yeah. so it's never one thing. Yeah, and that would have been setting a stage for my Spilling liver being a, yeah, my liver being a bit tired. The bucket getting a bit full, mm. and then eight years in a mouldy apartment is just, yeah. and then the general Rushing anaesthetic, the <laughs> which was the icing on the cake, like yeah. a huge whack of drugs for an operation. When I'm already not a great metabolizer of medication, so. was the thing that just tipped it. Yeah, so what's
2: our what's our take home here? The take
5: (laughs) go ahead. No, no, no. For me the take home is it all matters. It's never just one thing. Mm -hmm. Um and if you've got weird things going on, like don't be like me and think, oh, it's not weird enough for me to notice. Um actually, just go you know it 's really strange, but I mean, I guess you know like that 's a bit of a catch twenty two really because I was talking about brain fog and resistant weight loss for many years with yeah. various practitioners, and no one pinpointed mold until until I did like i I found that myself, wow. um and you know women busy mums own your own business, you can rationalize all of that, right? you can yeah. rationalize you 're just too stressed. That's what's making you gain the weight or you're too tired tired and and that's what's making you feel a bit foggy. You need more sleep. Um, And I've always slept like seven and a half, eight hours a night, never had an issue with sleep. So I'm like, I really don't think that's it. You're too stressed out. It's like, no, I'm actually a really happy, contented person. You know, like people just try to look at you from the outside and, and put labels on you. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, it comes back to doing the work ourselves and really sitting quietly and, and analysing things and going, no, I don't, I don't think that's it. Even at my worst, I had a practitioner tell me that it was um, adrenal fatigue mm. um, and that my constipation was due to um, probably the, um, the antibiotics that I had to have after that operation. And so I got put on a whole like really intense dose of probiotics but, but get, guess what? Half of those were histamine releasing oh, no.
4: and it,
5: so you know because some are histamine releasing, some are histamine degrading, so not all probiotics are created equal and right for everybody and um, and so that actually pushed my histamine issues further, higher, more hives, more reactions to food, and it took me forever to rebalance the gut, like you know so yeah. we 've really got to be careful about what we try, um, and we 've really got to have um, practitioners who really listen to our symptoms and go, I'm not going to suggest something until we really have a think about your home, your mental state, what's happened in the last couple of years for you. And I remember when I finally saw a practitioner who was a Skype only guy because he was in Pennsylvania dr jess armine and he's expensive but I, i just he was a hard basket guy and he worked with ben lynch and all of those guys and and like you know if you really had a problem that no one seemed to be able to sort out i just thought okay i'm gonna have a couple of sessions with this guy he made me fill out the patient history form was an eight page document and it went right back to my being born and everything schooling, um, everything absolutely wow. everything mental stuff, physical stuff, um, response to long distance running. I mean, there were questions that were just like, <laughs> wow, this is,
4: well, um, it,
5: it took me hours to fill it out. But when we had our session, he was able to piece together an entire lifetime's worth of soup, as we were yeah. saying before. And um, and so that's how we started to arrive at chronic inflammation, and then mold um, yeah. much more
3: quickly than I had done. Mm-hmm. What a fascinating yeah. journey, Alex! And, uh, so
5: fascinating. I know we're not ta- we haven't talked about the book in ages, but
3: Maybe we should get you on a podcast I'd... to
5: talk about the book sometime. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, but you know these things take twists and turns for a reason, yeah, and I reckon there's going to be I someone agree. out there who was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, I needed that. That's my cousin, <laughs> or that's my mum, or that's yeah. my son, or that's me." Exactly. Yeah, so it, well,
2: know, that's, that's why we don't come into podcasts with a You know, we don't always say you have to talk about this because it's like, well, if it goes a different direction, it's meant to be. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's
5: totally right. Totally fine by me.
3: Alex, uh, where do people find you? What are your offerings and where can they find the book?
5: So they can find the book in all good bookstores. Um, please please don't panic if it's, um, I don't know when this is going to be aired, but if you can't find it in bookstores right now, it went to second reprint, like literally three weeks mm-hmm. after it came yeah, out, which is awesome. awesome. So like thank you it? out there to everybody who did buy the book in those first couple of weeks. That's so cool. Um, so there might be some shortages around and about, but um, Big W, Target, um, All the David Jones, um, all the local bookstores, Ooh, Booktopia. Have a
2: W next time oh, on Earth. So that would be cool to see. Yeah,
5: you. I know. And I saw it at Target in my local Target um, recently. I was like, how bizarre to have a book in. Target. I'll tell everyone as
2: they walk past. I know her. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I may have swapped with the Pete Evans lunchbox on the higher shelf for eye level. Because <laughs> <position>. sorry, Pete, <laughs> I figured you were doing okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Alex, are you signing the books, like, by stealth so that people actually buy it? They go, oh, yeah, my that's God. cool.
2: Yeah,
5: do that. that well, is. I sign the books every – if I'm in a bookshop, I always say, hey, I'm the author, do you want me to sign what you've got? And everyone's so lovely. Lovely, and then you get to have a chat and it's lovely. So it's really um, cool. I did that in Brisbane everywhere. It's going to be very hard to find a book that hasn't been signed. In Brisbane, <laughs> I think. Um, It's, care, it's really fun to find a book that's signed. You go, oh, wow. I know. Bonus. So <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, so the book can be found everywhere. I don't sell it personally because I want to support bookshops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I'm terrible at administration and we've got a very small team. So I just recognise that that. It's just better to support the
2: way all it. the people
5: out there to to sell it for us, which is amazing. And um, and then uh, obviously you can find the blog lowtopslife the website, the e courses, everything is on there. We've got six courses now. What I know, Crazy inflammation one. ninja, <laughs> preconception ninja, um, oh. thrive kids um, Ooh, ninja. Kids food uh, i just love the word ninja because i just feel like especially for inflammation you need some power words to get you through yeah. some really dark stuff so um so that's going super well and um uh inflammation what's low tox kids so people who really want to focus on to- environmental toxins and stress and kids um and then of course go low tox and real food rock stars so they're all our courses on lowtoxlife.com and then um what else? That Instagram, Lotox Life again. And Facebook, Lotox Life. You guessed it. I just keep everything really simple. So if you type that in and you'll find, you'll, it. You'll find it. Yeah, absolutely. And you were yeah. on TV recently too. I know. I've done I've done two T V spots and two ABC radio spots. So that means yeah. my mother in law believes what I'm doing now. Really, yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Oh, no, Margie, if you true. ever happen to hear this. Um, we just all have a joke about yeah. our parents' generation only believing something once it's been on the ABC.
4: Oh, and so I'm like, done we'll to. Do.
5: all the baby boomers are on board now.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: awesome. oh, awesome. funny.
3: Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sure we'll have you again to talk a little bit more as your journey with the book develops because you're really early on at the moment, even though it has I
2: know, it just came like, out six weeks
3: ago. It's It's pretty good
2: being on your second print run-up. I know, it's
3: nuts. (laughs) Hopefully the publishers have quadrupled the quantity now for the second Who knows, who
5: knows. But, yeah, I'm I'm very excited that people are finding it useful and positive and... Just like a good gift as well for yeah. people who are already on board but have the naysayer.
2: Actually I was thinking that it's a very yeah. good gift.
5: Yeah. It's like, I and so don't believe me and all my preaching, Auntie Vera. Here's the book. Uh, go <laughs> yeah, read it. Right.
2: yeah, I think it would be a great gift for um young yeah. families as well because Oh totally. Are really Can you imagine if it? you got
5: given that at I
2: your baby shower? Hello. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my niece is having a baby. I'm buying this for her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
5: a jumpsuit they're going to grow out of yeah. in three days. Oh, and my niece will like- love this book,
3: actually. Yeah. The delivery guy at the front. I'll keep you talking for a second. Now a- oh, okay. I'll get my package.
2: All right. I hope it's an exciting one. <laughs> Maybe it's a life knife book. <laughs> Who knows? So um, yeah, well, thank you so much. I really, I really can't wait to make some of these. I'm just going to mention a couple of the recipes while it has gone. Okay, what's oh, your oh yeah, go for it in here.
5: What's my favorite? Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So the, the spiced fig and gingerbread really oh. is. It really, and that's in the um, care package feast. Okay. which I will be making tomorrow because we're bringing a beautiful nephew into the Well, I'm not doing oh. it, my sister-in-law. <laughs> um, <laughs>
4: You're cheering
5: her on. Yeah, yeah, bringing a nephew into the world, which is exciting. Um, but mm. that's always been my number one go-to for part of a care package. I've so seen i always do it. I've
2: seen there's it on your spi- page. Looks yeah,
5: yeah, cool. yeah. Spice Fig and Gingerbread and a Frittata and there's no mm-hmm. new mum that ever that ever Just says no anything that. other than, oh, my God, thank you. So, yes. um, so I'd say Spice Fig and Gingerbread for sure. Um, the Mauritian chicken fricassee. I
2: was looking at that one. Yeah, That's if you amazing. haven't had
5: Mauritian food before, it is such a family friendly dish because it's really mild, but ah, it's really delicious. Like flavors, It's, just, it's the of taste flavors. of of lunch in my childhood, and Aww. it just reminds me of so many beautiful things because we're Mauritian I will on make one that side. one this week.
2: Oh, yay! Oh my God, can I'll you tag it. me when you do? Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to see. And then the eggplant
5: curry is delicious as well.
2: Oh. Good. And yeah. I noticed on your page your son was having a birthday and you made those cocoa caramel chews for all the kids. I did. and you really know, cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was there was something so lovely about seeing all these
5: little hands reaching into an old school lolly jar with like yeah. parchment paper wrapped Individual caramels and they all loved them. And there I was thinking, oh my gosh, are Seb's friend's going to think I'm Daggy. They're going to think he's Daggy.
4: You know, they don't have
5: party bags. Well, when they're nine, you'll remember yeah. this. They, yeah. That's the real age of self consciousness developing yes. and, and self in relation to others and what other people think and realizing yeah. that you're not just going to automatically be friends with everybody in the schoolyard. I'm
3: still going through that now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> so so i you know i do what you just you really want to make sure that you don't paint yourself as full-blown hippie in some of these situations because <laughs> you don't want to tarnish their own experience of developing yeah. um yes. y- you know what i'm trying to say you know, like,
3: hippie is tolerable in our culture yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, totally yeah.
5: So, but in the end we ended up being rock stars and he said to his friends, we don't need to buy lollies because my mum can invent them. And then oh, everyone was like, so I became the mum who can invent lollies. So we actually both ended up being super cool. That's funny. <laughs> Something I was really worried about. So there you go. Like sometimes we're more worried about what people are going to think than, than we need yeah. to be. And oh, we can actually, in the way that we market it, we can actually end up being the rock star in this picture. So,
2: And it was yeah. such a simple solution. So, so simple. will about the cocoa caramel chews in her book. It's a lolly for kids that looks really <sighs> good. So we awesome. might have to try that recipe.
5: Yeah, go for it. And for the um, people who are either vegan or can't tolerate butter, um, someone actually posted that they made it with coconut oil the other day and it worked just fine.
4: Oh, yeah. perfect.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to get myself a copy of the book. Joe had to send me photos of, of all the, the Don't stuff. Don't worry, he'll I delete them and
5: get a copy. Run. Oh, my gosh, no. I, I, can yeah. I just, I will publicly say that I will send you a book. <laughs> Please let me send you a book. No,
3: I haven't had it. I wanted to. I want to buy it, so I'll, I'll go out and get it. I just haven't had it to do it yet.
5: Well, you I'm, can buy one if you want me. to, if you, need, if you need to feel like you're supporting me, but I'm going to send you one anyway. You can give it away and do it, whatever you want to do. But Have I you signed any it. in the Blue Mountains? Um, I'm actually going to be doing a talk in the Blue Mountains. I think, oh. is it next month or November? I can't remember, but definitely oh, cool. please on the, um, on the book ordering page, because like, you see out now on lowtopslife.com, if you click that, you go to the book ordering page and you see, you know, Dimmicks, Amazon, all the different places you can get it. Because you can get it now in the UK, or through the UK oh, and Ireland, great. in all bookshops there. And the US, you'll be able to get it through Amazon from September four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can still already pre-order it. But on that page, there's also a link to all the book talks because mm-hmm. there are heaps of book talks happening, well and done. we're adding to that all the time. So okay. um, I'm trying to get around to most of the country by sort of April next year.
2: All right. Well, let me know when you're coming to Far North Queensland. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, I need to organize I didn't even. I think <gasps> because
5: I came to you guys a couple yeah. of times last year, I just like it felt Good recent. Up. So yeah. I'll have to come for the book for sure. Yes, you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Done. Awesome. You've heard it here. I've made that commitment. <laughs> can, here we yes, come. <laughs> can, She's let's keep on to it.
3: Love it. Alex oh. Stewart, thank you so much for coming. Low Talks Life, a handbook for a healthy you and happy planet. Awesome hey. book. I loved looking through it. At mine it was just coming out you know, in a few weeks from then. And uh, I'm going to get my hands on one before you send me.
5: Oh, thanks!
3: (laughs) Thanks so much for being on the show, Alex, and we'll get you again maybe to to chat about the book. book, You know, maybe awesome, so that
4: uh, (laughs) we get more more about the book.
5: (laughs) All good, all good. I hope everyone enjoys it, and thanks so much for having me on and and the gorgeous chats. (laughs) Lovely to chat. See ya.